this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, please contact Nexus Church. We are into the season of celebrating Christmas, love, joy, peace, hope, and, um, and tonight we're going to focus on peace. Have you ever had one of those weeks, you know, one of those weeks that just did not go to a plan and uh, you just got interrupted, you got disgusted, uh, you got, com- thanks guys, yeah, you can go. This is a silly story, I don't need, um, need, need you guys to back me for this one. Um, but I'm not a germaphobe, right? And I get that because of our, my love for Seinfeld episodes. Um, I'm not a germaphobe, but there are some things that are just really yucky on my scale of grossness. And, um, and so I'm not like opposed to all things being gross, but I do have a level. Okay, there is a, as a, as a, there's a gauge there where I just tip over and went, nah, I'm out. That's really gross. I had three things happen to me in one week. Um, and the first one was I was sitting in a staff meeting and there was a person beside me and uh, they had a ferocious sneeze. And um, I just got a brand new iPad. And, um, and, and um, I don't know, about 30 droplets of this sneeze had gone on my new iPad um, and it's like all glistening because it's reflecting the screen and, the, and um, it looked like a, a, a beautiful art piece. But not for me, I, um, I was just so disgusted. Um, and it was this old science teacher, uh, and I don't know, and then I looked at him, he had a moustache, and I reckon I saw a few things on his moustache as well, and I was like, dude, can you not? That's just gross. Um, so that happened to me, and then a couple of days later, um, I was swimming in a, po- in a pool, a community pool, and um, I went, oh, something's caught between my fingers. I know that you're all going, oh, because you've been there before. How disgusting is it when someone's grotty band-aid is wedged between your fingers? It's like you've seen a spider and you just, like, get rid of it, maybe throw it into someone's face. I don't know. But you, you had that... I had one of those weeks, and then to make matters worse, I get, I, I often, where's John O'Robbins? John O'Robbins, he's out the back. Oh, there he is, a legend of a youth kid. I drive him home every Friday night. I drive him home every Friday night, and every Friday night we go to Hungry Jack's, and we get the super stunner deal for $5.95, all right? Anyway, so on one of these trips, there was a hair in my burger. All right, it was a hair in my burger. And I was like, oh, man. So snot, Band-Aids, and hair. That's where I just tap out, right? But don't worry, I've got a scripture that says, in this world, you will have trouble. For all those online, please don't switch off just yet. Um, But take heart, I've overcome the world. So even though things don't go to plan, even though there are things that rudely interrupt our lives, we can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. I know that these are some really petty, disgusting things that we just deal with and they don't really change our lives, maybe our sanitary lives, but nothing, nothing other than that. But we have some major issues at play in our world today. 
And uh, tonight we're talking about peace. When Jesus, who declares himself as the Prince of Peace, comes into into our world as the form of a baby, and he changes everything. And Jesus says that you will have peace. So even in our troublesome lives, with everything going on, our stresses, our anxieties, the tensions of this world, the broken relationships, the hurts, the hang-ups, we can actually find peace. So what is peace? Where do we get it from? How do we attain it? And what do we do with it? This is the sort of navigating how we're looking at the concept of peace tonight. And I want to start with a story in the book of Mark, just to add some context as to how peace is outworked here. Um, It's when Jesus calms a storm. Mark chapter 4. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with them in a boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep, that being Jesus, on the cushion. And they woke him and spoke to him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing. Obviously, they're not full of peace. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I've been to the Sea of Galilee, and, and I was always bemused at this story as I uh, had read it as a young kid, as I'd read it, and then um, going, in, going to Israel just a few years ago, I was really interested to see for myself what the Sea of Galilee looked like because I knew that it was an inland dam, an inland lake. And so for a storm to rise um, on a lake where there's wind and there's waves and experienced fishermen who had been on the seas their whole life to be fearful of their lives, I wanted to see could this actually take place. And lo and behold, as we're going out on the cruise, no word of a lie, hey babe, that Uh, Yeah, I need my wife here just to uh, back up my stories. Um, But as as we're going out on this boat, it was a a calm afternoon, and we were going on on a boat sort of cruise kind of thing for a a few hours. And uh, and about an hour and a half into it, I'm saying, like, Lord, I don't know. Like, I want to believe that there's... This could could happen, right? And, And then... Another hour after that, there was this wind that just came from nowhere and it was blowing an absolute gust. And the waves and the tips of the waves were blowing the, 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 um, the, the, the waves and, and, the, and um, what do you call it? The, the droplets, not of the sneeze, but of the waves. Um, <laughs> God's sneeze was coming over the side. And... Um, and I was truly just flabbergasted. And we're singing worship in the rain, with rain coming in sideways and the waves crashing against the boat. I wasn't fearful of my life, but I was just like, yes, Lord, another time in my life where it's a cherry on top moment, where you've answered just some of those little doubts that I had. You know, where I just read scripture and it, I, just, I, can, I just hold on to it. And then God's just given me another dimension of his power and his purpose. And it's like almost God just turned up just for me in that moment. And, um, and so I know now that the ferocity of this 
uh, storm that was taking place. And here we have Jesus who is asleep. Not just calm. Our boys, I've been in this boat before. Not just centered, you know, where he's finding his inner peace in that moment. But he actually is not just trying. He, he, he has this deep understanding of the will of the Father. And he just must have known that this is not his time yet. And so because he was so in tune with what the Father was doing, he could just sleep. He was just full of rest and full of peace. Uh, he knew that it wasn't his time. And so he awakes when he is um, asked. And, um, and you know the difference between when you suddenly have to wake up as opposed to putting on the snooze button. It's like, ah, I got time. It's not urgent. You know, like we, we get all these voices through the middle of the night. Mummy, Daddy, I need water. And we're just like, ah, oh, give it two minutes and they'll be back asleep, you know. And we, we just roll over and we carry on with our sleep. But then I know the sound when I have to get up. It's a shriek. It's a thud. And it's a scream and it's a cry. All right. And I'm not, I know the difference between something that I can put off and an urgency. And I just wonder what Jesus was feeling in the boat when he was woken up by the disciples. Was it like an urgent, like, I have to do something? What do you need? Why are you so fearful? What can I do to help? Or was it just like, oh, boys, this is nothing. Um, and so he was just so at peace. And then he gets up at the bow of the boat, speaks to the storm. He doesn't just access authority. He is the authority. He doesn't just access a knowledge of power. He is the power. He doesn't just access a form of peace. He is peace. And through the authority, the dominion, and the power of Jesus Christ, he says, peace, be still, and the wind and the waves and the systems obey him. Then we've got the disciples. And this kind of summates our position as Christians, our position as humanity here in this moment. They were far from a place of rest and sleep. They were frantic. They were fearful. Experienced fishermen, fearful of their lives. They were up and about and they didn't know where to turn. And so they came to Jesus. And when they came to Jesus, they even uh, criticized, they always almost critical of Jesus. Like, how can you do this to us? Like, how can you not be bothered by this? Where have you been? Um, and so they came to Jesus after they were already filled with anxiety. And before they experienced peace, they'd already to told themselves that their circumstances had proved a narrative that they've believed. All right? So they'd, they'd seen the winds, the waves, the pressure, the torment, and they knew that circumstances had told them a certain narrative. And in life, we have circumstances and people and positions that tell us a certain narrative, and we are buffered by that. And we are thrown to every single side that causes stress, anxiety, tension, heartbreak, fear. But the good thing is, and the key that the disciples did, is they still went to Jesus. They still went to Jesus. And, uh, and I can guarantee you, and I can tell you honestly, that I know that I have a relationship with Jesus. I know that Jesus is in my boat. However, I'm still tempted and I still fall and I still am um, consumed with the things of this world before I go to Jesus. 
I'm still sometimes filled with anxiety and filled with fear and tension and doubt. And then I realize that I've got Jesus who actually is the peace. So no matter where you are, I'm not criticizing you for, you know, for not having trouble, right? I'm just saying that we need to know that Jesus is there to give us peace in all circumstances, right? There's always more bills to pay, health reports, more people to offend you, more knuckleheads in traffic, more annoying people who sneeze just way too close. Um, There's racism, there's poverty, there's politics, there's crime rates, there's housing costs, living costs, abuse, arguments, injustices, wars, tragedies, accidents, diseases, pandemics, band-aids in community pools, lockdowns, riots, loss of innocence and purity, self-harm, suicide, mental health, the list goes on. Our world is in trouble. Yeah, Bob, it is coming. All right. Okay. And it can be heard that it is an era that can be identified as two things. It's an anxiety epidemic, and it's an era of outrage and offense. This world is full of trouble. This world is full of trouble. And so, yes, Bob, we do need the good news. Where is the peace? How do we take heart when we have every reason to lose it? We can't just escape trouble to find peace. Our world will probably say, well, if you want peace, just remove conflict. Just remove this absence of anxiety. Just, just remove whatever is troubling you from your life or remove yourself from that situation and you might find peace. But the God I serve and the lessons that I've learned over the years, it's not avoiding trouble, but it's inviting the presence of God into it. And this is where Jesus comes and he says, I am peace. Jesus would later teach that it's not the absence of trouble, but it's the presence in the midst of it. Peace is not the removal of difficult pressures, but it's peace is right now available in it. So I just want to give three quick things to leave tonight. Uh, peace is a person. That's point number one. Peace is a person. The prophet Isaiah wrote this concerning Jesus some 700 years before the birth of Christ. They says, For unto us a child is born, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of. His government and its peace will never end. And the various roles of Jesus described in this uh, passage from the prophet Isaiah is a child, a son, a government, a counselor, a God, a father, and a prince of peace. That a promised child that came into the world through the town of Bethlehem a couple of thousand years ago would be the very person to minister healing to the land, would be uh, the mighty God who would have authority and dominion over all and would be the very person that we can turn to in times of trouble, a troubled heart. The second one is peace is a present. Last uh, night we read the book, The Nativity Nativity Scene. Well, it's not a scene, it's a book, so it's called The Nativity, right? It's not a scene, it's not in a window, it's a book, so it's constant, right? Anyway, um, and uh, and so we're teaching the girls about the birth of Jesus and I, it's as my prayer as a father that I don't want them to know just of Jesus, the name of Jesus. 
I don't just want them to know facts surrounding his birth, life, death, resurrection. Just not of him or about him, but I want them to know that they are in him. That they are in Christ. When Paul writes the New Testament with many of his letters, he uses the words in Christ more than 70 times. More than 70 times Paul would say that you are found in Christ. Therefore, if we serve the Prince of Peace, Jesus, then we can have peace in Christ. We can have freedom in Christ. We can have confidence in Christ. We can have wholeness in Christ. We can have security and assurance because we're in Christ. We're not looking to our circumstance to give us our security and our assurance and our confidence to pop us up but we are actually seeing ourselves as being born again into Christ's love, that we have been adopted in Christ. And so this is so powerful that Paul is talking about that, that if you want to have peace, you have to know that it's only found in Christ. You can't try to find it in this world, and this is where we have so many troubles. This is why we have wars and tragedies and violence and heartbreak and disunity, and prejudice, and racism, is because we're trying to work it out, and we're saying, what can give us peace? And we're trying to add things to our lives, rather than entering into the very person who gives us peace. And it's, as you step, I just um, was praying this morning, and I just wrote this down, as you step into my overwhelming presence, your pressures find a new perspective, right? So to allow the presence to invade the pressures, to allow the presence of being in Christ to invade the pressures. My overwhelming presence, God's overwhelming pressures, your pressures find a new perspective. You know, like this is so true in the story we've mentioned before, that the disciples had a perspective. They were pressured. And you can associate whatever that might look like for you tonight. That you're in the boat and you're traveling somewhere and you're experiencing pressure from all sides. And it's got you fearful, it's got you worried, it's got you rallied up, it's keeping you up at night, it's waking you up at night, it's grinding you, it's got a hold of you. And these are pressures, these are tensions that are in trying to invade your heart. But allow the presence and the peace of God to rule and to reign in your heart. And you'll see that it's just being, your, your pressures will be invaded by his presence. I had this, um, I was wrestling with sharing this as we were worshipping. But I thought, oh, maybe that's just for me. But I just believe I'm going to press into it if that's right. I had this picture of a teaspoon. <laughs> And, um, and it's almost like God was challenging me that when I have pressures in my life, when I have a stress or an anxiety, that I pull up that, that teaspoon and I try to put his piece onto that teaspoon and I take a bit of it and it's just enough. You know, it, oh, I've got this thought, this 3 a.m. thought. Have you had one of them before? Man, that can spiral you. And I just go, well, Jesus, if you could just help me just get some some form of pain relief, a teaspoon on my spoon, oh, a bit of dosage of peace on my spoon. I'll take that. And then I had this picture of this vast Pacific Ocean. 
And it's not like that we ask God to fill our spoon and take just that little bit for us just to feel a sense of relief. Like, can it just avoid me for a couple more days? Can I just get one more night's sleep? I don't want to stay up all night again on this. But I can actually have access and swim in the vast ocean of his presence. I don't actually have to go and just have a little bit of of this to make myself feel better. But I can actually bask in the glory of his riches. And that is peace. And Jesus is then saying, like, that teaspoon, it's enough. It's enough. It'll fit. You know, my grace is sufficient for you. If you need a little, I'll give you a little. But over here is much. Over here is much. And I just believe that it's a bit of a mindset change. It's a bit of perspective shift. That we've become accustomed to just putting limitations on what God wants to do in our lives. And I just believe that's, gonna, that, that, that's shattered. And so we can actually submerse ourselves into peace. Not come to him like, uh, what's that little story, Oliver Twist. Please, sir, I want some more. Can, I, can this just ask, leave manna from heaven? I just won't need to get through to tomorrow. Now nah, we're walking in the promised land. Anyway, <laughs> I hope that helps somebody. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And this John 14 through to John 16 is this incredible moment where, where uh, Jesus has got his disciples and he's talking to them about his up, up, um, upcoming death, impending crucifixion, that he's going to leave them. And all of a sudden, these world changers who are going to take on the world and, you know, they, they were going to see victory, going to see triumph, they're actually going, you're going to leave us? And he saw that their hearts had shifted to a place of trouble. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. My peace... I give to you my peace that I'm it's not just it's it's the peace I am peace and I'm giving you my peace I'm giving you my helper the Holy Spirit he's going to come alongside you he's going to allow you to have access to this peace to this vast ocean of peace and so he sees that their hearts have just become troubled that it's just sunken in a little bit And it's fast, and the enemy would use those moments. And so Jesus sees this as a critical turning point, and he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. The enemy, he wants to come, steal, kill, and destroy. Steal your peace, kill off your joy, your hope. But Jesus says, I love that he always provides the better alternative. And he's the back end of John 10.10 says, but I have come that you may have life. And what is life in Christ? peace, joy, everlasting, triumph, victory. The chains are gone. I have come that you might have my life. What I have, I give to you. My peace, the peace that I have, I'm going to give it to you. So don't let your hearts be troubled. Stand, live in my peace, in Christ, right? Man, there's so much to talk about. But um, Jesus is saying, in me you may have peace. And I don't offer it like the world offers it. And we can skim over this. 
we try to find peace through security, bank accounts, position, power, influence. We go, well, if I have this security, then I might feel at peace. He said, I don't offer that peace that the world gives. I give another gift, and that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, even though he's saying this to his early disciples, because they're downcast and they've taken a bit of a turn, he's saying, even though you might see my death coming, be peaceful. I've got it. I'm in control. He says to Stephen, even though you see your stoning on the horizon, you can have my peace. Even when he's looking at Paul and he's saying, even though you'll be beheaded one day in Rome, you can have my peace. Even though you'll be locked up in jail, you'll still have my peace and it'll turn into praise. It doesn't matter the circumstance you're in you can still have the peace of God. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, it says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. At all times, in every way. Isaiah 26 says, And God will keep you in perfect peace, those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. And Ephesians 2 says, for he himself is our peace. Peace is a, is a person, but then he says, I don't just want to keep it to myself. I want to give it away. I want to give it to you so that you can access it, so that you can have the comfort, the truth, the power, the knowledge that I am with you always, that you can have peace no matter the hardship you're going through, no matter the cancer battle you're going through, no matter the tragedy you've just experienced, no matter the fears that you have about your future, no matter the anxiety that keeping you up at night, that's riddling you, that you can actually turn to peace himself, Jesus Christ, and he says, I give it to you. Peace is a present. And he says, you can receive it. You can receive it. And then it says, you can pass it on. You can pass it on. Uh, It says, Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So not only do we get to know peace, Jesus Christ himself, he actually gives it to us as a present. But then he's saying, don't keep that present to yourself. Live it, walk in it, be free with it, but then pass it on. And this is the gospel message that we have, and this is the true meaning of Christmas, that we have received the greatest gift that we could ever have, Jesus Christ. And he's saying, would you pass it on? Would you allow your life that's been transformed to now transform others? Would you allow the truth and the hope that I have spoken into your life to now go and speak to that lonely person over there? Encourage them, lift them up, esteem them. Let them know that they are a child of the living God, that Jesus Christ, I, I who am peace, gave my life so that they could walk in something special. We now have a responsibility to be peacemakers. I'm looking at my boy down here, Wayne Knight. What a legend. He told me the other day, that he has 35 pairs of shoes. 39 now. It's not even Christmas. Oh, my gosh. I have three, all right? I don't have a shoe game whatsoever. I went and bought these a couple of weeks ago, you know, because I was inspired by you, Nipey, right? I don't have a shoe game. But what I do know is that we actually have 
one pair of shoes, which is the same, right? Now stay with me. It says, um, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim peace, salvation. And Ephesians 6, when it says, put on the full armor of God, in verse 10 it says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power with your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Oh, man. I just want one more story. So I was talking with um, this person and uh, they were going on the Oxfam walk. It's about a 100-kilometer trek up through mountains and, and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and, I, and we were talking the whole way and the lead up, and it was the first time I saw them afterwards. I said, how did you go? And they, I was expecting, oh, it was awesome and all that. Anyway, they told me the story that they chose the wrong pair of shoes. They weren't prepared at all. And so they'd saw, seen this awesome pair of shoes um, and purchased it online thinking that they'd just use that pair of shoes for the 100-kilometer walk, right? Bad mistake. Their feet got cut up and blistered and all that. And I said, well, where did you go wrong? And they said, I should have gone to a foot specialist or a running place and got it all fitted up because they would have known my measurements and all that sort of stuff. They made a mistake because they didn't get fitted up, all right? And, um, and so because they'd made that mistake and their feet were all torn up, they couldn't complete the, the leg. You know, and um, it says here that we have feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel, that Jesus himself knows the terrain that we're going to walk in. He knows the direction. He knows the pace. He knows the distance. He knows the outlay of how we're going to walk out this thing called life. And he's actually saying, well, I've actually fitted you. I know your heart, I know your call, and I'm actually going to fit you. So even though there might be trouble, you still have feet fitted by me to keep walking. And I just want to encourage you tonight, whether you're in the midst of a heartbreak, whether you're in the midst of a dark cloud, that you just need to keep walking because he has fitted you with peace to continue to walk, to continue to walk in hope, in light, and in his glory in Jesus' name. We started with Isaiah chapter 9. I just want to finish with it too. It says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. It's talking about Jesus. It's talking about the state of humanity before Jesus would come. That we were living in a land of deep darkness. Trouble has always been there. But then eventually there will come a time where a light will be dawned. A light has come, and that light is Jesus Christ, and it will change everything. And then you know what the form of that light is? An innocent little baby. But that baby will be perfect, and that baby will become a wonderful counsellor, better than any counselling technique you'll ever have, better than any active listening skill that you can ever employ. He's a wonderful counsellor. He's an everlasting father, the one who will always be there right on through to eternity, that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, that he is mighty God, that he has all authority, all dominion, all power to pierce through the darkness 
to break those chains, to have you in his hand. He is mighty God and he is the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace doesn't just reflect peace, doesn't just talk about peace, doesn't just describe peace. It says, I am peace. And he says, I want to give my peace. I don't offer it like the world does. So stop chasing. Stop running around in circles. You're never going to find it. But if you find me, if you know that you are in Christ, you will live victoriously. You will live in full peace. With every eye closed and head bowed, I just want to pray for some people. You might be here and you're saying, my life is trouble. I've experienced hardship and pain and torment and I want to know peace. I've gone to all lengths to try to find it, but I'm still living with the place, a sense of hopelessness. Can I invite you to know Jesus Christ tonight? The one who says and declares that I am peace. I am the God of peace and I want to give it to you tonight. And if that's you, just maybe in your own way, maybe put your hand on your heart. Maybe you're at home and you, you, you want to experience the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4 says, don't be anxious in anything, but go to God and allow the peace that surpasses all understanding to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So if that's you, put your hand on your heart and you want to know the God of peace. Peace that you're right with him. Peace that you're right with yourself. But Jesus wants to come and invade those spaces and you can bask in his glory. You can swim in the deep oceans of his grace right here tonight. Jesus Christ is inviting you into that opportunity, into that life. So Father, I just pray. Lord, as we are searching and hungry for peace, we can actually find it, discover it, and it's in you. Peace is a person. So tonight, Lord Jesus, we lift you up. We trust you. Father, that you are in you're in on our journey. You're in on our journey. In Jesus' name, amen.